This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Yeah, that's kind of what I expected uh, in terms of the energy and the fanatical enthusiasm on the state of affairs with the Colts right now. They just want they just want to try to figure out what's going on. They're as uncertain about the direction with the quarterback as I think the Patriots were a few weeks ago, though it does seem like Mac Jones with a good game this Sunday can cement his status as the starter the rest of the way. Hopefully he plays a clean game and a healthy game. Uh, we'll see how this plays out, and we'll see if the Patriots are able to contain Sam Ellinger, Ellinger, potato, potato, let's call the whole thing off, who definitely runs better than he throws at this point. But how could he How could he do much more considering he's only been in there for a short while? All right, to take a look at how things are going in the wide world of Patriots, let's speak to one of the best beat writers around. He recently just made way from the Providence Journal over to Mass Live. Andy Hart had a few moments to catch up with our pal Mark Daniels at Gillette Stadium this week to talk about the state of affairs with Mac Jones, Bill Belichick, and the Patriots heading into Colts week. Joining me now at Gillette Stadium on the Six Rings and Football Things podcast is Mark Daniels of Mass Live, and you may also know him from some other outlets, but I've been covering the Patriots for a long time. And I'm gonna, before I start, I'm going to say maybe the best storyteller on the Patriots beat. I th- Thank you. Well, I, I appreciate you uh, seeking out features that you remind me. I don't even do you remember Alan Greenberg from the Hartford Current? OK, you're, you're Alan Greenberg style. You tend to tell stories. And I like that because there's a lot of us that just sort of fixate and BS about the game week to week and the quarterback situation. But, hey, if we're going to bring up the quarterback situation, why don't we talk about the quarterback situation? Uh, so, Mark, we have reestablished, I'm assuming, I think, Mac Jones as the Patriots starting quarterback at the very least, if not we're willing to say franchise quarterback. Um, now that we're out the other side, I guess, of zappy fever, uh, unless you don't believe we're out the feel free to go on that. Okay, so if we're out the other side of zappy fever, where is Mac Jones as he hits the midpoint of his second season? Progression, regression, still fighting for his franchise job? Where do you see him at this point? <laughs> he He's at a He's at a point where I, I don't think he wants to be or the Patriots would want him to be because, you know, it, we're in week nine right now. And you would hope at this point you would see a clear progression, a clear, right, a year two jump, what we like to say, right, in, in the biz, a year two jump. It's big, and it's big for quarterbacks too. The, the thing, though, here, I feel like there's such an asterisk on Mac Jones, and I don't want to be the type of person who just lays excuses at his feet. The injury thing just really set him back, right? It's one thing to say, all right, Matt Patricia's here, Josh McDaniels is gone, but by week nine, you really should have worked out a lot of those kinks, right? You you expect some hiccups, some whatever, learning curve stuff the first four weeks of the season, but by now, you'd really want them to be in, hey, midseason form because we're in midseason. Instead, you deal with the high ankle sprain, he misses four games, he barely plays against Chicago, and you're kind of at square one, right? It almost feels to me like we're back in week one, two to say, 
All right, is Mac Jones improved? We're going to find out maybe next week, maybe the week after that. So, yeah, we're at a point where he's the starting quarterback. I think he should remain the starting quarterback. I think he has a much higher potential and ceiling than Bailey Zappi. But in terms of like what we've actually seen on the field, it's just so inconclusive to me. It's frustrating for me to watch because, you know, we've been – you know, let's let's be honest. We've been diving into Mac Jones since last year because he was a first-round quarterback. But to be here in Week Nine and still be throw your arms up and be like, I don't know, maybe it's frustrating from my standpoint, and I'm sure from the Patriots' standpoint too. It's a bit of a bummer. Not that you can really prevent a lot of these injuries, but it's, we're still at wait and see mode, which is like it feels like we're still in Week One, honestly. So. I, I've become a little bit of a Mac apologist, which is weird, because I don't even really like Mac. It's a weird, weird position for me to be in. But I want to ask you, so the injury, Patricia, the O-line, like all these various aspects of the story of this 4-4 four and four football team, have you changed big picture where you are on Mac Jones? Like, what did you think of Mac Jones after last year heading into this year? And now what do you think about Mac Jones in, in terms of Franchise QB, second contract, you know, where do you see yourself in five years? The old uh, job interview question. Where, where do you see Mac Jones? People get mad at me when I say this, but last year he had one of the best rookie seasons of all time. When you look at the actual numbers, which is what I'm talking about, right? He had the second best completion percentage all time. For passing yards, he was fifth all time. For touchdowns, he was eighth. Completions, he was eighth. And for wins, he was like 10th or 11. What he did as a rookie is honestly kind of unheard of because most rookie quarterbacks stink so coming out of last year I was like the Patriots have a budding franchise quarterback and this is all about making him a top 10 guy I mean he finished last season I'd say top 15 and I'm like all right the next logical step is you go to top 10 quarterback we're not there we're not at even top 15 I don't even think we're at top 20 so right now I I'd love to keep perspective on this what he did last year matters and, and I think because of the success he had he's still what I would call a budding franchise quarterback but we've been just teetering on the edge of was this Josh McDaniels was it more Josh McDaniels than than Mac Jones so where, where do I stand on it I, I right right now I, I think he is a promising quarterback who could turn into your franchise quarterback who should be a top 10 guy whatever that means I don't know if he'll ever be a top five I don't know if it matters. You know, people hate the Kirk Cousins stuff, but like if you have a quarterback who's throwing 4,000 plus yards, 30 plus touchdowns in less than 10 interceptions, you're doing pretty good. And I think he can be that guy. They have to figure out what the hell is going on. And hopefully I can use that word on your podcast, whether it's the offensive line, the playbook, Matt, Patricia, things are so bad right now. I don't, I, I honestly want to make excuses for Mac because of what we saw last year. I, you know, so if I like that idea, because I agree with you 100 percent, I've sort of termed it. If I'm going to start making a list of the problems with the Patriots offense, I think I'm writing a few things down before I get to Mac. Mac's on the list. Like, I'm not going to just keep him from the list. So if you were head coach, GM, if you're some combination of Bill Belichick and, and Mac Grow, who, by the way, just chose to do nothing at the trade deadline, which we can get into maybe more in depth in a minute. But where do you start? Is it the cliche, he needs a number one receiver? And if the answer is number one receiver, is that the deep guy? Is that the slot guy? Does he need his Wes Welker? Does he need his Julian Edelman? Do you need to shore up the line so he's not tucking and running so often? Does he need a better scheme? Are we seeing a one-year Band-Aid? And maybe, you know, you joke about Josh McDaniels, but he could be available at some point in the future to come back. Like, where, where would you start fixing the Mac Jones Patriots? 
Priority number one is tackle for me. Um, this offseason, they're estimated to have, I want to say, the fourth most cap space. That's according to over the cap. If I'm them, I get a right tackle. Like, I, I spend big money. And if you don't, you need to spend a first-round pick on them or trade up in the first round to get a guy because you're – you're rotating sort of depth right now with Marcus Cannon and Isaiah Wynn. It hasn't been great. Marcus Cannon wasn't that good in, against the Jets. I had him down for, I want to say, a sack and a hit. And obviously, Isaiah Wynn, we all know what's been going on there. They need to shore up the offensive line. Continuity's big. So, all right, if you're saying Cole Strange, David Andrews, and Michael Oweno are the guys and at the middle, I'm fine with that. Trent Brown, sure, he'll be under contract at least for 2023. They need to do something to right tackle. I think that's priority number one. Two, I, I do follow the logic of if you want your young quarterback to improve find him a number one pro bowl target jalen hurts with aj brown right i mean josh allen took a leap in year three when they traded for stefan diggs everyone loves to pump up um just uh, herbert over in at the charges and he's great he has great tools he's also been throwing at keenan allen mike williams and austin eckler even like pat mahomes had probably the best statistical year for a year two quarterback ever he was thrown with prime tyree kill and travis kelsey like these guys even dan marino is another one i looked him up he had a great year too he was thrown at two pro bowl receivers whose names i forget but Max Jones doesn't have a Pro Bowl receiver. Like maybe Ramondre Stevenson turns into a Pro Bowl running back. But yeah, I want to see like that. I don't know if it necessarily has to be a slot. I just want that guy you have to game plan for, right? The Rob Gronkowski and Julian Edelman combo is why the Patriots won and beat the Rams in the Super Bowl with Tom Brady. They didn't have anyone else, but Tom Brady had two, I would say, number ones. Mac Jones, I don't know if he really has any. I love Jacoby Myers. He's very steady and solid as a two maybe a good three on a like a good stack team but man find them that jamar chase somehow and it's easy for us to say that you look at the free agents right now jacoby myers will be probably the best wide receiver free agent but maybe it's just a matter of them swinging a trade for someone who's not on our radar right now and and maybe taking more dips into the draft i think they should don't shy away from it you know I, i love that they drafted taekwon thornton in the second round do that again do it until you find that legit guy because I, I think that's a piece of the puzzle that's just missing to this offense. Yeah, I think uh, I agree with you most of what you said, and I think we oversimplify everything, right? Like we talk about coaches without quarterbacks. Well, yeah, coaches aren't as good when they don't have great quarterbacks. Most dynasties, it's a good coach and a good quarterback. Quarterbacks are the same thing. Like we're seeing it with Aaron Rodgers. Take away his weapons, and he's not the greatest of all time. He's still really talented, but the success doesn't come. So I do think you need to inject life around Mac Jones before you can probably decide how good he is, how not good he is. So that leads me back to the the trade deadline where they chose to do nothing. It was probably the the most entertaining active trade deadline in NFL history. Pro Bowl caliber star players swapping teams, including in the division, Bradley Chubb joining the the Dolphins. Where were you heading into the trade deadline? Because I'll be honest, I was ready to just ship Isaiah Wynn out of town. Anybody that would take him, late round pick, he's available, you know, his last... uh, last saving grace or whatever getting into a fight with Mike Reese or being you know giving tone if you given Mike Reese tone it's time for you to go um but I I just wish they had done something it felt you know people criticized Heim Bloom and the Red Sox for being half in half out at the trade deadline so trade away pieces and start the process of building let young guys play figure out what you have or I would not have been opposed to adding a linebacker if you had found a you know a, a valuable Kyle Van Oy type that you could add boom go get him but doing nothing just leaves, to me, a middling team in the middle of their season who didn't really do anything to prepare for next year or bolster themselves. I, I, don't, really, I don't really understand what they did. It, it's confusing. And with, like, Isaiah Wynn and, say, Nelson Aguilar, I thought those were really the two guys they would ship out if they were going to trade someone. And part of the reason you do it is due to, you know, free up five whatever million 
in the cap space. I, I wonder with the with the win thing if they look at Marcus Cannon and just say, ah, he's okay, but you know how much of an upgrade from that is Isaiah Win, and maybe for the rest of the season it's much better just to have as painful as to say Marcus Cannon, Isaiah Win as opposed to Marcus Cannon and Yadni Kajust. And I, and I wonder if they just saw a big drop-off there be, with their tackle depth. Their tackle depth's not great. I mean, I think going into the summer, we all thought Justin Huron would be the top swing tackle, and he just he really didn't develop, like I think, like the team thought he would. And I don't like the depth right now, but they would be worse without Marcus Cannon for his seventh-round pick, and I think that's why they kept him. Aguilar, too, it was an interesting one to me. He's playing behind Tyquan Thornton, so you sort of say, like, why not just get the, the extra cap space and go on to that? Then you see Devontae Parker go down with a knee injury. You know, he wasn't at Wednesday's practice. Then you say, ah, maybe they sh- maybe for Mac Jones, the best thing is to just give him those five receivers. And maybe from the Patriots' standpoint, it's, all right, a quarterback's been injured. We haven't been great. We've been sort of middling, but we're 4-4 four and four at the deadline. Mac is healthy. If we can get other guys healthy around him, maybe we can work with the pieces we have. And you're right, it's boring. Honestly, I was hoping for like a Roquan Smith. I mean, I'd give up a second round pick. That guy is so good. And I think with the Pats defense right now, it's like you look at their linebackers, there's, there's, you know, you could add something there. I think there's a spot where you want to add like an elite talent. I would say on defense, it's linebacker for sure. And like, yeah, seeing the Dolphins get Bradley Chubb, you say, all right, yeah, it's not going to be great when Mac Jones and the offensive line go up against him. But it would probably be worse if you didn't have Isaiah win for depth. So. Yeah, it was very boring, but I, I kind of understand the logic with not shipping out some of those guys. So we are, as you said, basically midseason form, midpoint of the season uh, as you hit week nine. And I, we're at that point of the year where I think people are sort of settling in. Like there's the people that believe this team still has a path. Remember it was a couple of years ago, it was the path to the postseason. Uh, and there's others like me, like I don't see it. You know, for example, uh, our friend Scott Zolak tweeted during the Bengals game the other night, I think, uh, Bengals layup, circle, whatever. Like, I'm sorry, this team's not good enough to circle anybody as a layup or a win. I mean, we learned that on Monday Night Football against the Bears, who maybe they took too lightly, maybe they didn't, I don't know, maybe bad night, good night for the Bears. Where do you feel like this team is going over the second half of the season? Is it is it going to be, you know, day by day, week by week, ugly game, good game, figure it out? Or do you feel any momentum in any area of the team that's going to be maybe their strength to lean on this is a bad answer and i kind of feel like they're a they're a borderline wild card team where if they end up winning nine ten games and they sneak in i won't necessarily be surprised because we go up right they go up against the colts you have the bye and then the jets so theoretically they could be six and two heading into a thanksgiving game against the vikings who are the vikings good the record says they are but it's also Kirk cousins so i don't really know so they, they really could be in a spot where like you know they go into that Thanksgiving game saying, all right, can we win three, four more games? And you're talking about the Vikings, the Cardinals, the Raiders who have been bad, the Bengals who have been up and down, another matchup with the Dolphins and two against the Bills. Like, theoretically, I could see nine or ten wins. And, you know, considering what's happened the last eight weeks, that would be crazy if they got into the playoffs. But I, I can see it if they stay healthy. Mac Jones improves, right? Mac Jones has to limit his turnovers. And on defense, like, you need Kyle Duggar back. You need Christian Barmore, right? You can't. There's a lot of guys in this team you just you can't lose. Even David Andrews. That offensive line without David Andrews in, in New York was a mess. James Ferentz didn't play well. I thought I, I didn't think it was a surprise that Cole Strange had his worst game as a pro because David Andrews wasn't there. But this is how fragile sort of, and like, you talk about, like, middling, a middling roster. You can't lose. You can't have a big injury over the next eight weeks if you want to make a run for nine to ten wins you know what I mean things really sort of have to break perfectly I think for this team 
Absolutely. Um, and now I'm thinking back to the summer because you bring up the roster, a middling roster, the talent now, the future, not you know really being deep enough to miss anybody who's a higher-end player. Who are the higher-end players, not just for this year, but for the future? I, I mean, I've been on a bit of a Ramondre Stevenson kick. I've loved him since last year. My only concern is can he handle the load? Like the last couple of weeks, I think he's caught 15 passes. Like, is he going to be that guy long-term that can handle that load? Or does he need a, a number two to share it with, like a lot of teams do? Beyond that, you know, Christian Barmore is a guy I know a lot of people had a lot of optimism for. He's double teamed a lot, but does he take it to the next level? Obviously, Matthew Judon is still one of their best players. But as we look to the 2023 Patriots or sort of, you know, if this is a keeper team, a keeper league, who are the keepers? I love Dynasty Leagues and fantasy football. Um, obviously, Ramondre Stevenson on offense might be your best player right now. On defense, clearly Matthew Judon, I think, is the best player on the team, and he shouldn't drop off that much next year. But after him, I would go with a guy like Kyle Duggar. Kyle Duggar is so athletic and has taken a decent year three jump that I could see Pro Bowl potential for him. And I think Christian Barmore's athleticism suggests that he could be that type of disruptive defensive tackle that earns some you know, accolades at the end of this year, too. After that, it's it's a really hard answer, right? Because, like, David Andrews, probably a borderline Pro Bowl player, you know? And then after that, you kind of put your hands up. You're like, all right, linebacker, probably nobody. Um, Dietrich Wise is solid. I think Devin, Devin Godchow is solid. Uh, Jack Jones, I, I would take him in the keeper league. I, I think he has... Pro Bowl potential because of how good his ball skills are. He has to clean up some other stuff in his stuff in his game. Watching him try to tackle people in, in New York, I thought was a bit frustrating. He made some bad plays there in the fourth quarter. But like Jack Jones, Kyle Duggar on defense, obviously Matthew Judon is a stud. And on offense, you're talking like, you know, I guess put throw Max Jones in there. He he sh- it should be like him and Ramondre and you know steady Eddie Jacoby Myers if he's back. That's the thing about Jacoby, right? For keeper league, how do you keep a guy who's a free agent when the Patriots don't historically pay? free agent so yeah they need they need some more talent right? they, they do they need high-end talent on this roster they do and the other aspect of that that I'm questioning now is we come off a game in which Matthew Slater became second all-time in games played for the Patriots Devin McCourty had two interceptions now active leader in interceptions I keep thinking about those guys and the key role they play in leadership with more than a decade of service each and I wonder as they age out quote-unquote as they say in youth sports not only the talent, where is that um, rock of leadership going to fall? And it sh- Max should obviously be one of those, but he's had a really trying year. And, and I'll be honest with you, I think he struggles at times in his interviews, in his press conferences with cliches and talking in circles and all of that. Where do you see the leader? Because some of the good players, like Kyle Duggar, I'm not sure he's overly comfortable being a spokesman. I don't think Ramondre Stevenson is overly comfortable being a spokesman. So as we move forward looking for talent, where does the leadership come from moving forward? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I mean, on offense, David Andrews will be probably be that guy who's here forever. It should be Mac. On offense is hard because right now I look at the guy like Jacoby Myers. I think he's a clear leader on offense, but again, he's he's going into a contract year, so this could be it for him. On defense, you know, he's a really great guy to talk with, and I bet he's great in the locker room. Is Jalen Mills? Um, you know, steady cornerback. I honestly thought this summer he'd be their number one and he would have the best year of his career. That was my bold prediction for the season. I think an injury sort of set him back this year. But Jalen Mills is a good guy to have in the locker room. And then 
On the defensive line, it's interesting. Like, Matthew Judon is the best player. He's a bit of a jokester. You know, Lawrence Guy has sort of been a leader, but he's getting older. So maybe you go to someone like Dietrich Wise. But you're right. I mean, the Patriots could lose Matthew Slater and Devin McCourty. You know, and where, where do they turn from that? You know, Jawan Bentley would be a guy. So you're looking at, you know, Jawan Bentley and David Andrews and, and Mac Jones and really a new chapter here in, in New England when you start to lose, you know, you start to lose everyone who won three rings. It was like there was a time here. I felt like everyone on the roster won multiple Super Bowls. And they had such a great perspective for the younger players. And now you get into this new post-Brady era and you're like, all right, uh, they're going to do this with other players and see if Bill can work his magic. It's going to be fascinating. <laughs> Okay, he's Mark Daniels, and before we wrap this up on the Six Rings and Football Things podcast, we obviously have to get his thoughts on this week's game. Indianapolis Colts, 3-4-1 and one coming in. Uh, a new quarterback, they've kind of been scuffling, still have a talented roster in defense and, and playoff caliber roster in a lot of ways. Um, but these are two middling teams that probably could be fighting for, as you said, maybe that last wild card spot down the road. What, what are your expectations for this game? I know some people in New England are just seen it as a layup. Oh, this is a layup. Just pencil the win in. Um, how do you see this game? I don't think anything's a layup right now because the Patriots have been so inconsistent. And the Colts defensively are really solid. So, I mean, the Patriots could struggle to move the ball. It, this could be the type of game where it's like the first to 20 wins. And in that, I, I like the Patriots because I don't know who Sam Ellinger is other than a six-round pick in 2021. And it sounds like Jonathan Taylor has been injured. He might not play. I mean, so honestly, the Patriots might catch a huge break. You know, they beat the Jets who didn't have Brees Hall. They might go up against the Colts who won't have Jonathan Taylor and a six-round pick at quarterback who's thrown to some pretty good guys. But I think the Patriots' defense is good enough to not let Sam Ellinger and a backup running back beat them. You know, can the Patriots' offense get to 17 to 20 points? I think so, but <laughs> Stefan Gilmore is great. Yannick Nagunkwe is great. They have a really good defensive line. Quiddy Pay from Rhode Island. He's had a pretty good start to his career. What's his name? DeForest Buckner. Another. They have a really good defensive line. So like David Andrews, who wasn't at practice on Wednesday, like you, you want him to get back, but you know it's it's the NFL, it's the concussion protocol. You can't rush that. Yeah, the offensive line is going to have to play a lot better if you want to score over 17 points. I just I failed to see how Sam Ellinger and like a backup running back would would beat the Patriots. So I, I like the Patriots in this, but I wouldn't I wouldn't call anything a layup right now. He's Mark Daniels, Mass Live. I'm Andy Hart. This is Six Rings and Football Things. Once again, our weekly chat from the bowels of Gillette Stadium as the Patriots get ready to take on the Colts. And yes, there are no layups for the Patriots and no layups for Six Rings.